Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Good morning, Asha. Hello. Hi. <laughs> you sound so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I love it. A little bit of that is a little bit of projection, I have to admit. I'm yes. I'm I'm a little sleepy this morning. It's pretty dark, you know. Yeah. Over here on the West Coast. It sure is. It sure mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Uh <laughs> I thought it would be a very good time for you and I to have a free flowing conversational check-in. We didn't have one. We didn't have an episode last week. We will not have one next week because of Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, I thought it would just be good for us to check in. And mm-hmm. the last couple months have been kind of intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, you know, people on our show know how passionate we both have been about this recent election. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of give a look behind the curtain for how it all went down for us. I have shared a bit, you know, like, snippets and snapshots on Instagram and stuff. But um, I just, I I almost, this morning I woke up thinking, wow, this will kind of be like our auditory, like time capsule episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting. You know, it's, it's funny because I mean, there is a historical, I mean, (laughs) this is history folks, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so I'm so glad we're doing this because um, not only am I glad to do this because I do feel like there's so much that has happened, and I'm always glad to have a chance to sort of talk about it with you and process it a little bit, this election. Um, but also, you know, there's so many emotions around it. There's so much that impacts our lives in ways that have nothing to do with the election. And mm-hmm. I feel like we are not the only ones who are feeling that way. And um, I'm, I feel like I'm still wrapping my head around the whole thing. It's sort of like, you know, you have something going on in your life and that something gets solved. And then still you have to sort of contend with the space that that thing took up in your life. And as you know, as you know, as many of you know, listeners, political participation has been a huge part of my last four years and will continue to be, but I think in the, in a, in a very different way. But yeah, yeah, I feel like, you know, so there's more than just the election to talk about. And I'm glad we're making a little space to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll talk a bit about the um, 
kind of what I'm calling the emotional roller coaster section of this episode, but we'll we'll dig into that a bit more. But I find, you know, we're recording this um, just over a week after the election and the range of feelings. Um, you know, I, I actually I was just chatting with some people about this yesterday that, um, you know, I'm doing this 50 days of self-care practice. And yesterday I was like, I think it was something like day 16. And I was like, oh my gosh, why is my back such a wreck? Like, I can't believe this. And I was like, oh yeah, I've been clenching for the past four years. It takes more than 16 days to unwind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think we're, we're all of us together are going to be on a journey. You know, I mean, it's, it's, every day is going to look a little different and it's a little hard to predict what that will look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because And I think that actually is the value of listening to real individual people discussing this election and not just not just relying on the news or the media reporting. I mean, I Mm. think the fact is this is a human experience that we're having. Mm -hmm. You know, our listeners are probably having a massive range of emotions and experiences. And there's just so much going on. And, And what I'm hoping is that, you know, just as you and I talk, folks who are listening can you know, maybe hear a little bit of themselves in what we're saying. And if this is not their experience, then maybe just, you know, just once again, remember that there's such a range going on out there. And, you know, this is a time where so many of us are, you know, we're sort of reexamining our values and navigating these ideas of reconciliation and forgiveness and Mm. unity and, um, you know, that has an impact on our relationships and our own next steps as we mm-hmm. move forward. So I find it really helpful to hear how other actual people are managing it, not just sort of ima- imagining what it's like for them based on media narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, let's dig in. I thought it would be helpful to um, talk a little bit about Election Day itself, because you and I had such different experiences because, you know, Oregon does everything, you know, a mail in voting. Right. So mm-hmm. yep. whereas in Massachusetts, um, it's very much it was an option. Early voting was for an option, an option. Certainly, John and I did that. But then, you know, what actually happened on our respective election days? And um, I a lot of people know I worked the polls. Um, it was a very I I will say to you, Asha, and I, I think I did share about this, that I was actually mostly worried about whether my body could hold up for 15 hours on my feet because, mm. you know, I've been having a lot of physical issues that I'm working on. Um, so I was really legit. That was actually one of my biggest concerns, even beyond COVID. Like, we, like I knew I had my face shield. I had my mask. I have glasses, all the stuff. I was ready for that. But I was worried about the physical side. Um, I'm happy to say I survived. (laughs) (laughs) I was exhausted. It was 15 hours and I have to give out, give a little shout out to my octogenarian poll buddies, Bob and Joseph, who are 80 years old and 86 years old respectively. And they, they stuck it out that whole shift with me. I mean, they were sitting most of the time as inspectors, um, but still I could not believe that that's how that all played out. Um, Personally, it was very good for me. My phone was off the whole time. I was, except when I took a lunch break and I just kind of checked checked in on social, but I think it was very good for me to not be tied to media or anything um, and just be completely distracted doing something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm happy to say that everything um, went really smoothly and mm-hmm. the city 
had everything together. It was great. It worked really seamlessly. I only got yelled at once by a vote by a voter who was a little grumpy about the line. Um, and I had one sort of dramatic, uh, experience where I actually got to yell, we need a medic out here. Oh my gosh. But other than that, it was great. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, such a, like I, I, as you were, as you were talking, (laughs) the, like this picture was forming in my mind and I'm imagining Bob sitting in the chair and I'm imagining, you know what I mean? I'm just imagining what that must've been like. And, Mm. um, because you're absolutely right. It is so unbelievably different in Oregon because we're a 100% vote by mail state. So we all receive ballots in the mail. We all put them back in the, either the mail or drop boxes, which are all over the city. So, um, you know, I had dropped uh, our ballots off in October. So mm-hmm. <laughs> my Same. voting was long mm-hmm. over. Um, but um, actually, before I even talk about it, I just want to say, Bob and Joseph, did you say? Yes. In their 80s and working the polls. I want to be, that is inspiring. That is inspiring to me. You know, when I am 80 and when I'm in my 80s, I want to be helping our voting go off like this. And um, that inspires me, seriously. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, as does your work, Christine, but we, I tell you that practically every week. But anyway, um, so for me, emotionally, I mean, uh, election day. <laughs> Did you hear that I said the word emotion instead of election? Hey, Total emotions Freudian, all through it. All Total through Freudian it. slip. Uh, that'll give you a sense of where I'm going with this. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty tense day, but also I will say that I went into election day feeling a sense of, um, gosh, pride is part of it. I was proud that I have been so engaged, but also a sense of, um, like a sense of completion. I think I am a person who very much, you know, my mind works in arcs, you know, like mm-hmm. narrative arcs. And, you know, there was a beginning of this arc and an end of this arc. And election day was very satisfying to me in that respect that either way, you know, a lot of what I had been doing the last four years really did come down to it on election day. So that was there was a satisfying feeling for me about that no matter what. So um, that said, I planned for lots and lots of comfort that day. So <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, like I wore my coziest clothes. We planned to watch movies. We I planned a really simple meal. We had a fire in the fireplace. Um, as many of you know, I um, had created a video series and podcast during the election season called Vote Plus One. And I filmed my final episode of Vote Plus One. Uh, on election day, I did it live on Instagram. So that was actually a lovely feeling because I got to, you know, sort of be with people in the same place and time and and chat with them about what to do. Um, I was actually phone banking on election day, making calls to voters in Arizona, making sure they had what they needed to actually complete their votes. So I did a lot of like I felt like soul nourishing stuff that said once the sun went down and you know, really the um, uncertainty set in, I, I really struggled, you know? Mm. And so I, I dealt with it by distracting myself and staying away from the media narrative, because at that point, you know, folks were doing what they were going to do. They were going to vote, they were going to not vote. And, and the fact is that this is democracy. People get to vote however they want. And that is, that is really what I am fighting for. The fact that we have a free, fair vote. I mean, obviously, I had incredible investment in who won this election, 
But in the end, um, and this really came clear to me as I was speaking to Arizona voters, you know, what I really wanted was for people to participate. And actually, my most interesting and sort of good natured conversation was with somebody who didn't vote the way that I wanted. But we had a really good conversation on the phone about, uh, you know, like, well, you made your voice heard and you participated and 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 we were talking about it. And I I felt really good about that. So um, all that said, it was a it was a tricky day, um, helped very much by watching Interstellar, which is one of my favorite movies <laughs> and the Netflix documentary, My Octopus Teacher, which, oh, my. I, OK, I'm obsessed with with octopuses and. It was totally fascinating. So there oh you go. Gosh, that's that's, hilarious. that's what I did to really make myself feel better. I think that's that's great. And I think you're like, I can actually envision all of that playing out and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, how that would feel good to have like, a, you know, some things that you were working on, but then like just coziness and distraction. And I want to just, you know, I wasn't going to tell this whole story and I will, I will just tell the abbreviated version, but I want to loop back to what you said about you know, the conversation that you had with somebody who's wasn't voting the way you wanted, but you got to just talk about like this was democracy in action. You know, I referred very briefly earlier that I got to yell, we need a medic out here. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll link up. I shared the full story on Instagram and Facebook, but I'll just briefly say that the reason that happened was because I noticed that somebody fell down outside the polling station and I ran out Um and this person, um, she was bleeding. She had a head wound <laughs> and she had tripped and fallen on her head and had broken her fall with her arm. So it turned out she actually broke her mm. shoulder. Um, but she said, I'm not leaving here until I cast my vote. And <laughs> it was the most incredible, awe-inspiring moment. Um, all of us were just awestruck, like the warden and actually the city clerk were there. They hopped into action to do what officially needed to be done in order to help this person cast their vote while they were literally getting a head wound bandaged and a broken shoulder stabilized outside. So, you know, and my kids immediately were like, well, who did they vote for? I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously there's a way I would like that person to vote, but it doesn't matter. This person was committed to voting and that is incredible. Um, Yeah. And I'll just close the loop on that day because I realized I didn't do it earlier. Just to say that when I got home, which was I headed to the polls about at about 615 in the morning, I got home at about 9 p.m. And I was like, I am not looking at any media. I'm taking a scalding hot shower and I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I didn't look at anything until the next morning. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Wow. It did. It, it, Feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it? It does feel like such a long time ago. Well, <laughs> all right. And we'll talk, we're going to talk about the next day. Um, and we will do that after a quick break. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? 
to listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Okay, friends, we are back. Asha and I are doing a post-election check-in. And Asha, I loved actually hearing the nitty-gritty of your election day. I, I don't think I had actually heard that all before, and I loved imagining <laughs> it. So, um, And also, I need to check out Octopus Teacher. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about, I thought it would be interesting <laughs> to talk about like the next day or what happened mm-hmm. over the next few days. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned before we broke, um, I just got home and I went to bed. I took a hot shower and I went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I will say I was devastated (laughs) or just Mm. like sad and depressed. Um, You know, I I don't want to be greedy, but I think I wanted a decisive landslide. So everything was clear. And, you know, we've got we've become so accustomed to immediate gratification and immediate news. But like the reality is elections take elections take time. You know, I should have known that it would take time. Um, but I was also really disappointed in a few of the Senate races. Um, it was really, really hard. So I will say that the one thing I'm super grateful for, and I need to remember this for the next time I work the polls is that I was just so grateful that on Monday, the day before the election, I had cleared the decks, like taken meetings off my calendar, cleared out to do's for Wednesday so that I could just like really do a ton of restorative and protective work. Um, it was really, really hard. Um, and I also want to give James, my standard poodle, a little bit of a <laughs> shout out. Shout out James. Shout out James, because he he's very emotionally tuned anyway. Like yeah. when we're all a wreck, like he gets all freaked out. But he was literally my therapy dog like I sat down and he all morning everywhere I sat down he followed me and then sat on my feet like he just Mm. and laid down on my feet um you know that said it was really interesting because over the next few days I just could slowly feel myself recovering and shifting and changing but it was like I'll say those few days right after were just an incredible range of feelings and emotions and it was Mm -hmm. really really hard Mm -hmm. how about you um Oh, hard, hard, yeah. hard, yeah. Uh, you know, hashtag understatement. Yeah, I think that um, I I just want to point one thing out that you said before I talk about what it was like for me. And that is you said you cleared the decks for restorative and protective work. And somehow those words are so much more useful and helpful to me than the word self-care, because, mm. you know, restor- restorative is about, you know, sort of bringing yourself back to normalcy. But protective is different. It's about, you know, sort of 
giving, you know, acknowledging the fact that, you know, where you are needs a little bit of a safe haven to be able to, you know, heal. And I think those two ideas are really important. And I'm going to actually like, I would like to discuss that more at some point, because mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. such a an important thing to realize that we need both of those things. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was really helpful to think about. Um, I'm going to actually think about that myself. Okay. So let us, uh, let me try to return to the days right after the election, before the election was called for um, president-elect Biden and vice president-elect Harris. Um, I was really intellectually prepared for what had been expected, which was, you know, an early counting of the in-person votes, later counting of the absentee ballots, the fact that, you know, the the numbers and the, you know, sort of who's who, how the race appeared would change dramatically over a period of days. Mm-hmm. So I was ready for all of that. That was very, that was not unexpected. Um, but the emotional experience of it was incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. It was just difficult. And, you know, I think, uh, in fact, so difficult that it's funny, as I am trying to place myself back in that period of days, that limbo period, I'm actually having a hard time remembering it uh, mm-hmm. because I had to do a lot of work just to manage the stress of it. Um, I think that it felt like being caught in some very strange limbo, which, you know, meaning, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, I I sort of operate in arcs, meaning sort of the beginning and the end of stories. But there we were stuck in a place where we couldn't go back because the votes had been cast, but we couldn't go forward because we knew it would take days to count all the ballots. And I found that uncertainty incredibly difficult. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing was, um, you know, that once again, there was a huge difference between what the polls said and what was actually playing out. So that was confusing. Um, and so I found myself during those days really withdrawing. You know, I, I feel like that's one of my protective habits mm-hmm. is that I withdraw. And you know, on the one hand, I think that's a fine thing to do because sometimes that's what we need to do. I think sometimes it's not necessarily healthy. But in my case, I was um, conscious of what was going on. I just did not find myself able to have lighthearted, chatty conversations with people during that Mm -hmm. period of time. Mm -hmm. What I did have um, besides, you know, connecting with, you know, my family, which was everything, um, was an ongoing text thread with my democracy club, my friends who I have been just super connected with around political engagement and activism. And so we were able to just sort of check in with each other on this text thread. We had actually predicted this as well. And we even said to ourselves, we don't want to spend election night together virtually. Like we, all of us felt like we needed to have some safety and protection. And so um, that ongoing text thread with my democracy club really was a huge source of comfort and sort of like ballast as I got through those days. Um, I really needed to take a lot of care of myself and just be safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. and I think it's worth saying a lot for everybody, no matter how you voted. I mean, mm-hmm. I just for think, sure. again, you know, you and I have very clear political positions. Um, you know, the this process, this emotional roller coaster, it didn't have to be this way. It was manufactured by people who made choices that, you know, absentee ballots can't be um, 
started, the counting can't start until election day. That was a legislative choice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like mm-hmm. it had to be this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. had some had some legislators in a few states made different choices about how the ballots were called, we could have learned everything on election night. So, yeah. so the fact that this roller coaster was something that we all had to experience painfully was a conscious choice by certain politicians. And that's cruel, I think. It is. It's cruel and it dangerous is. that the American people had to be put through that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it just the whole thing was just craziness. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about Saturday when the election was called. I just thought it would be really, you know, how like people are like, I'll never forget where I was. You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually wanted to kind of like go there right to that moment. So um, let's see. Saturday felt like about eight years since Tuesday. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I when I heard about the election being called, I was actually on my yoga mat trying to calm down. And my nine year old burst into the room to tell me the, the news that in mm. itself sort of blows my mind because and I was talking mm. to my mother about it just uh, the other day. And I was like, I cared about nothing of importance when I was nine. <laughs> and here my nine-year-old is like, Biden and Harris are, you know, they just got like, it just got called. It was crazy. Um, and so, and I think I was in sort of a little bit of a state of shock. And I was also literally really trying to get my Zen going. And so I just was like, okay, Violet, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, I'll be out shortly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I finish, you know, what I'm doing. I go downstairs you know, and John made me a sandwich or something, and I just broke down in tears over it. And gosh, I get a little teary just thinking about that. And the first thing he said was, you need to call Asha right now. <laughs> and so, as you might recall, I called you. And we both started ugly crying. Uh, it was yeah. <laughs> quite, quite yeah. hilarious. Um, I was so glad you called me. It was so great. It was so, so good to hear your voice that day. Like, cr- truly, truly. And then I think the other notable thing, you know, then, you know, my phone was blowing up and people were talking about socially distant celebrations. And I just knew I I already was like, I I will be celebrating in my mind, but I'm physically so completely exhausted um, Mm -hmm. that I can't do anything. So we just watched the speeches, Biden-Harris speeches um, as a family. And that was really pretty awesome. And mm. um, for a number of reasons, but I will say that, and not to bring this, this isn't about me, like specifically, but it was really interesting because in their speeches, both Biden and Harris mentioned something like thanking poll workers. And mm. I think that like actually made something click because my teenager, Laura, was like, mom, that that was you like that, you mm. know, and I was like. And that was also you, because if you had not been here to hold down the home front, like I couldn't have done that. You know, we just Mm -hmm. I think those just like little little various points in those speeches, I think, really touched home how connected we all were to this. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I one of the things that I had been talking about before the election was that, you know, even if you've never been involved with a political like a a campaign or a get out the vote effort, which does not necessarily need to be connected to a campaign. Um, You have it. Not only do you have a bigger hand in whatever the results are, 
you have a feeling of connection to it. Mm-hmm. And I will say that, um, you know, my husband in a real show of love, which I am so proud of, joined me for my phone banking on mm-hmm. election day and the day before. And I said to him, you know, what's really neat about doing this because he was completely freaked out about it. He doesn't like talking <laughs> on the phone, even with people he knows. He's like, so me. The fact- we are so similar. It's ridiculous. Oh, no. I mean, this really was a sacrifice on his part, even though in the end it was very easy. But the the decision to do it was very hard. And so, you know, I said, you're going to feel a little more connected to voters in Maricopa County. Mm-hmm. And he sort of looked at me like, OK, whatever. And then afterwards, <laughs> he he said to me after the whole thing was up, he has signed up for a phone bank for the Senate runoff election in Georgia. And I what he it. said was that same thing that you just said, which was. You know, like you feel a more personal connection to something that is so huge and so sort of abstract, but yet in the end, it's not huge and abstract at all. It's literally people filling in a piece of paper or pressing buttons on a thing and submitting, and you're helping that process. That's it. It is the opposite of huge and like abstract. Mm -hmm. And so I'm Mm -hmm. just so glad you said that because there is something really wonderful about feeling more closely connected. And yeah. more, you know, responsible and, you know, more invested. Uh-huh. So, ah, yes. Okay. So when the election was called. Um, where drew, were you? <laughs> where was I? I was standing right by my front door with my dog leash because I was preparing to go on a walk because I, too, was trying to calm down. I was not doing it on a yoga mat. I was instead trying to do it by going for a walk, which is what always helps me calm down. And I had just logged off all internet devices because I just like, I, I had just reached my tolerance on uncertainty. And I was like, said to my democracy club folks, folks, I'm out of here. Like, I just need to be out of here for a while. I'm logging off. Goodbye. I love you. (laughs) Goodbye. And, and so, um, I had done that. And not five minutes later, you know, as I was readying, readying myself to go out the door, my phone rings and I look and it's a member of my democracy club. Her name's Loey. And, um, you know, we often joke, Loie and I, <clears throat> because Loie, you know, her take is often more, hmm, let's let's say gloom and doom. <laughs> and mine can be a little bit uh, sort of obnoxiously sunny. And I, we joke, we have joked about this for the last four years, you know, like I would be walking. She used to be my neighbor. She actually now lives in D.C. And, and I would run into her on the street at various times years ago. And I would say, how you doing, Loie? And she'd say, we're all going to die. I mean, <laughs> she didn't really say that. That's the That's joke. hilarious. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's she's actually a, like one of the smartest people I know. She's incredibly um, connected to all sorts of really interesting information sources. And she's an amazing writer, too. So the point is that Loie's name showed up on my phone. I was like, what does this mean for a split second? You know, yeah, before I it's answered. It's going to be doom and gloom. <laughs> And uh, by the way, she and I have already joked about this. And so then I picked up the phone. Hello, I say. And with trepidation, it's Loie on the other end of the line saying, they've called it. They've called it. They've called it. You know, and I think my I don't think my response was intelligible. I think it was like, you know, and so I got off the phone with her. I think there was crying. I had put my phone on do not disturb. So I was trying to access the New York Times app, which I couldn't launch because my phone, uh, I couldn't like, 
I couldn't turn it on because my phone like had turned off that app. And so I was fumbling with my phone, standing there like a fool, actually. And suddenly my phone rings again. And it's my son's special mm. ringtone. Mm-hmm. And I pick up the phone. Hello. And it's my son. And he says, hi, like that. <laughs> and I went, ah, and I just was crying. And, and, and he's like, how are you doing? Whoa. We're crying. And, and he's like, I thought so. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just the sweetest thing. It mm-hmm. was so sweet. And I think, again, like, this was the most human moment. And I was just so flooded with relief and the sense that there was a light around the corner, specifically around the pandemic, which is mm-hmm. what I was really thinking about. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, it was an amazing moment. I, I'll never forget it. I called Loey the next day and I called my son the next day and I just said, I you will be in my heart forever for sharing that moment with me because it, it was, it was so important. And, um, you know, and we'll talk, we'll talk, uh, you know, later on in this episode, I realized that it didn't feel like that for everyone, you know, it felt all sorts of things for lots of people. Uh And, but I think for us to acknowledge what it did feel like is just the most important first step to whatever comes next. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Wow. That is that is awesome. Um, all right. Well, we are going to talk about like what's next and what now. Um, and we'll do that after a quick break. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Hello, friends, we're back and we are having our post-election check-in and we've sort of, you know, taken you through the timeline of what what those days were like for us. But I think now the most really important and salient question for all of us is what now and what's mm-hmm. next? Um, so I feel like, you know, the answer to that is going to be obviously different for all of us, depending upon what's happening in our lives, depending upon what our political views are depending upon, you know, our own personal situations, obviously. Um, 
I, I do think, though, I would love to talk a little bit, though, right now about something I'm hearing quite a bit about, and that is there's this sort of empathy conundrum, you know? Mm-hmm. There's this conundrum of, um, you know, on some level, um, people are both wanting to reach out to other people who maybe, you know, relationships really have fractured these last four years over politics. Not everybody. I think some people have been able to navigate that, but there are plenty of families and friends who have not been able to navigate, um, you know, the difference in politics. And I think that is such an important um, thing to talk about and think about. It's such a conundrum because I think on the one hand, some people are just like, okay, reach out to your people on the other side and shake hands and let's move on. Mm. And I think for so many more, that is just not possible. It's a much longer and more sort of subtle process than just sweeping the last four and a half years of feelings under the rug and not just feelings, but behavior. I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really important to point out. Um, That's just not possible. And I think, um, you know, the analogy that I'm using is that analogy, like on the schoolyard, you know, when kids get, you know, kids get bullied or, or whatever else. And you know, two kids get hauled into the principal's office and the principal says, say sorry, and you say sorry, and then go back out and play. And of course, nothing has been solved. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, this what now um, question, it's going to take a little time for us to actually think through, like, what do we need as humans to move on? And mm-hmm. to me, what we need is, first of all, acknowledgement about what happened, you know, acknowledgement. There needs to be a space for people to actually talk and listen before there can be any sort of reconciliation. At least that's how I feel. You know, again, it's going to be different for each person because I think each person has a different sort of emotional connection to this. But um, actually our friend, um, Gabrielle Blair of uh, her blog is called design mom. She has written an absolutely remarkable article about the process of reconciliation and forgiveness. And in her Mormon faith, there's actually a specific process of how one goes through those, you know, those steps. It's a it's a really laid out process. It was actually really helpful for me to read about. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about she's sort of projecting that onto the political landscape and saying, boy, you know, to expect people to, quote unquote, forgive without there being any sort of thoughtfulness about what's happened. That's not not only is that not really realistic, it can actually be dangerous when mm-hmm. you um, basically just allow somebody to move on after there have been injustices. So I think that's, uh, that's something remarkable. that I'm, yeah. she is remarkable. That's something that I'm thinking about a lot because yeah. I want my next steps to, I want to contribute as a writer. I want to contribute going forward as a voice of healing and hope, but that does not mean ignoring or enabling or anything like that. And I think, So I've been spending a lot of time really thinking about that Mm -hmm. as I sort of address my own life balance and reclaim some of the time I've been spending on political activism and, you know, sort of redirect it a little more creatively. I'm going to be as engaged politically as I always have been, however. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's my sort of long story. I would love to hear what you are thinking about your next steps. Well, let me just add a note to that, too. I'll try to dig up the it was, you know, a sort of short tweet. Twitter thread, but um, our other good friend, Karen Walrand, posted something related to um, this, um, I think, last week, but just talking about how 
you know, this whole like, oh, this is the time to reach out and, you know, give a hug to the other side. And she was like, uh, as a person of color, no, like not mm-hmm. not right now. Like when mm-hmm. my safety has actually felt, um, you know, and my family's safety has felt on the line. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll also link that up, um, dig that up, because I think, you know, yeah, a lot of acknowledgement <laughs> needs to happen before, um, move, you know, as we try to figure out how to move forward. Mm hmm. Well, so for me, you know, Asha, you know me, I I did say like the weekend that the election was called, I was just, I tried a number of times to do productive things and I was just exhausted and I just let go of all that. Like, I think I did play with my plants a little bit, but (laughs) it's about it. Um, But then that was good because on Monday I was like fired up and ready to go uh, for the Georgia Senate runoff races. I, I posted in a variety of places, but I, um, and I'll link up one of the, one of the posts, but, you know, I shared five, you know, simple actions you can do from the comfort of your couch, um, to kind of get in those, get, get active in that. Um, I love that you mentioned that your husband is going to be phone banking. Cause I did sign up also for, um, I'm going to text bank. I'm, I'm, I haven't arrived at the phone yet, but I will mm-hmm, do the text mm-hmm. banking side of it. So mm-hmm. I wanted to point that out as an option. Um, I will say I am finding my 50 days of self-care by the end of 2020 practice very crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was so interesting. I felt like um, last month, I mean, I know a lot of my free time was um, dedicated to like letter writing and all this other get out the vote stuff, but I was also super scattered. It was very difficult for me to concentrate on things. Um, So as soon as like, you know, the election was called, like I, was able to concentrate on books again, which are a great mm-hmm. love of mine. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like work and family stuff continues as usual. And, you know, we're going to be figuring out what the holidays look like this year. And I will just say that the bottom line is I'm totally here for small and simple. And um, and I think everybody else in my household is good with that, which is mm. just hugely relieving. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I'm glad to hear that. I think um, you know, a couple of things you said, you're finally able to concentrate on books, which is so interesting because I too sort of felt this strange, like creative unblocking, you know, like mm-hmm. suddenly all these words rushed into my mind about things that I could write about. Cause I, I've actually been quite, um, blocked myself for various reasons, not just because of politics. Um, but I too felt that feeling and, you know, and I think the other thing, since we were talking about time capsules, you know, and the fact that maybe we'll listen to this episode 10 years from now and say, remember when, you know, I think the other thing is that we are heading into what is going to be a very difficult, difficult time with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. are waiting for new leadership around this pandemic, but in the period of time between, you know, the new administration and now we're going to be heading into some very difficult times in terms of disease. And I think the fact that that is really happening is something for us to, um, you know, acknowledge, acknowledge that people are making difficult decisions about their own holidays and how painful that is. I know for me, like I won't be seeing my extended family for Thanksgiving or the holidays most likely. And that's a, that's a painful place to be after going through this very bruising election season. I mean, what I really want is to just be with the people I love and I'm not doing that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's my, that's our personal choice. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge that, that all of us are, are going through those, those hard times now. So I, 
you know, I just hope that that whatever these next few weeks and months hold, you know, it's health for you listeners. It's, um, you know, protection and caring and safety. And, um, you know, so that we can really chart our next steps just with, um, you know, from a place of strength. It's mm-hmm. just um, what a what a strange time we're at, but at least we're in it together. And, and I'm really grateful to be able to talk about it this way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Asha, we need to wrap up. So I would love to hear what your next edit is for this episode. All right. So my next edit is to take a concrete step to commit or recommit to political engagement. Now, I know for many people, it's just like enough with politics, never again. Ah, you know, but uh, actually, this is the time to embrace the fact that our democracy actually is quite fragile. And the only way that it's going to continue is if each of us takes a tiny little piece of it and takes care of it. And so, you know, for you, that might be writing five get out the vote letters for Georgia voters. It might be making some phone calls or doing some texting, like Christine said. Um, it might be forming a democracy club with your own friends. And we will include links to ways to do all of those things in our show notes. So please check out our show notes and make a concrete step to 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 get yourself plugged in politically. That's great. That's great. Well, I'll take a little bit different take on this because we were just talking about, or I was just talking about how delightful and relieving it has been for me to be able to concentrate on reading. I would like to encourage you to buy or check out a book from the library and delight in reading. And the funny thing is, I'll share quickly that um, I I thought of this next edit um, a while ago, but <laughs> or whenever we started putting the notes together for the show. But in the meanwhile, um, you know, I just shared about this on Instagram yesterday, but my nine-year-old is a voracious reader and has mowed through so many books this um, during the pandemic. And so I decided I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just reach out to the children's librarian and ask at our city library and ask if she has recommendations. And she wrote the nicest, nicest note back and then was like, um, I just checked out a bunch of books under her account. And if you could come pick them up, they're they're waiting in the hallway for, you know, mm. like contactless pickup. You should see the photo. It's like a humongous stack of like a dozen <laughs> books. And I just was like. This is what keeps communities together. And this uh-huh. is magical. So anyway, librarians around the world, I love you. <laughs> it's like having your own personal shopper, but a librarian. Oh, I know. Oh, it's just incredible. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway. All right, friends. Well, that's it. Uh, we'd love to hear your stories, too. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned, plus lots of great related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. And this week, we'd like to know, now that the election is over, what are you focusing on? Like, has your brain unlocked in some way? We want to know. Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page. Or you can chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. 
So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.